This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. We have a variety of outstanding pharmaceutical products we use to treat the multiple health problems our patients develop. Every year, clinical research has provided us with new and improved therapeutic options. And when we prescribe a medication to a patient, we generally assume that they'll take it exactly as we prescribe it. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily true. Non-adherence to chronic medications is surprisingly common and can account to up to half of all treatment failures. Former Surgeon General C. Everett Koop once said, drugs don't work if patients don't take them. So today's podcast discussion will center on medication adherence. We'll review how common it is, its causes, and how we can improve adherence to medications we prescribe to our patients. Our knowledgeable guest for this discussion is Dr. Christina Thurber, a medication therapy pharmacist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. This is a really important topic. Yes, Dr. Chutka, thank you so much for having me. I am quite passionate about this topic as I see medication non-adherence as a very large problem in clinical practice, often a reason patients are referred to me to meet with. Well, let's start by asking you to actually define medication adherence or non-adherence. Medication non-adherence is the extent to which patients do not or are not able to follow the directions for their prescribed treatments. It can be intentional or unintentional, but essentially patients are just not able to follow through on the treatment plan that the provider has put in place. So it's not just whether they take the medication or not, it may be whether they're taking it correctly. You know, we may prescribe something twice daily, and maybe they're only taking it once daily. So that's also considered non-adherence, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, didn't we used to call this compliance? Yes. And the term non-adherence, non-compliance, they generally take on the same meaning. But I think compliance is, is a term we're almost phasing out because it implies that the patient is complying to what we as providers want them to do. Whereas adherence offers the opportunity for the patient to have some shared decision-making in their treatment plan which is why I think nowadays we're using the term medication adherence a lot more frequently than compliance. Yeah, I think compliance actually implies there's a, a blame placed on the patient or something like that. Right. How big an issue is this? Is there data on how often patients really take their medications as we prescribe them? Do we know this? I think that the spectrum of the problem is larger than we may assume it to be. There is a meta-analysis, many studies on medication adherence, and it demonstrated an average non-adherence rate of 25%. And if I had to guess how much non-adherence I see in clinical practice, I would guess it to be at about that level. Data also demonstrates that adherence worsens as dosing frequency of a medication increases. So for example, patients are less likely to be adherent to a medication that's dosed four times daily versus once daily. I recall recently 
reading an article that actually described three different studies, all involving prescription of statins. And the three different groups was one used purely for prevention. The patients had no knowledge they had any cardiovascular disease. The second group, they had knowledge of the disease. And the third, not only had knowledge, but it experienced an event, either an MI or a stroke. And they looked at how many patients actually were taking their medication over a period of time. Surprisingly, the numbers were about the same. At about one year, only about 40 to 50% were taking their statin. And you would think that those who had the event had the most motivation to take this drug, but it's just surprising how common this is. Right. And some of that may be due to the fact that they don't see an immediate benefit of taking a statin. We can educate them that it's great for preventing cardiac disease, especially as secondary prevention. But if they're not actually feeling an immediate benefit from it, sometimes that can be a hindrance to adherence. Also, if perhaps they've experienced a side effect with their statin, these are so commonly prescribed medications. And there's a lot of information out there on the internet that is unfiltered and, and that can certainly impact a patient's adherence what they're reading on the internet and concerns that they may have with taking a medication. My suspicion is that medications used for asymptomatic conditions like hyperlipidemia, hypertension, osteoporosis, the adherence is much lower than for say like a non-steroidal. You know, they take it, their pain improves, they stop taking it, their pain returns. I don't know the data on non-steroidals, but I imagine it would be much, much higher than for statins or for antihypertensive drugs. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. So what are the consequences of uh, non-adherence when we prescribe medications? Right. Well, as we've alluded to, if you're taking something like a statin, which is can be a preventative therapy, you can have unintended outcomes, such as a cardiac event. If you're using a medication to treat a condition, such as diabetes or depression, and a patient is non-adherent, certainly they can fail to achieve those treatment goals and and ultimately feel or be better. There can also be some safety consequences of non-adherence. If we as healthcare providers don't understand the level of non-adherence, we may continue to up-titrate or add-on therapy to treat a condition that could ultimately have a safety concern if the patient starts to take it at the dose prescribed or at the frequency prescribed. For example, insulin. If we continue to up titrate insulin doses for someone who's only sporadically taking, one day do decide to take their insulin consistently or at the higher dosage we've recommended, they could be at risk for hypoglycemia. Is there an adherence rate that is thought to be needed in order to achieve therapeutic efficacy when we're managing chronic illness? I don't know of an actual rate that's defined readily in a guideline or anywhere specific, but I would say probably 70% is a general rule of thumb. So patients who are not taking their medication at least 70% of the time are probably going to have a lot of difficulty achieving the desired outcome for their chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. Are there different age groups that have different adherence rates? Are young people better than elderly or vice versa? 
the data and my clinical experience really don't point to a specific age group. It really has a lot to do with the medication burden that the patient has, the number of comorbid conditions they have. Certainly as patients age, they have more chronic diseases, which often leads to more complex medication regimens. So we can see more difficulty in the older population, but people can be younger and taking a large number of medications and also struggle with adherence. I think we assume this is a problem for the geriatric population, but I think they just have more opportunity to be right. not adherent. They're taking more medications. They may not have as much money to spend for them and so forth. Right. How do we assess whether our patients are taking their medications correctly? Yes, I think assessing adherence is something I would encourage all providers to do anytime they're meeting with a patient who's struggling to achieve therapeutic goals. So you can use objective data. For example, is blood pressure coming down despite dose escalation? Are blood sugars improving despite adding on therapy? Are cholesterol levels improving despite being on a high intensity statin? If you're not seeing improvement in objective data, certainly questioning medication adherence would be something I would recommend taking into account. You can also look at prescription refill data. Are patients refilling their medications on time? Now, this isn't a 100% accurate marker of adherence because people can refill their prescriptions but not actually take them, but it can be something helpful to use in that assessment of adherence. I've often uh, suspected it in patients where the drug is expected to exert some effect, either a lowering of the blood pressure or a reduced LDL cholesterol. And when I see that patient back in time, maybe it's the next year, their numbers aren't as good as they were in the past. And if the medication hasn't really changed, I ask, you know, why, uh, why are your numbers so much worse this year? And it often comes out that they're not taking the medication every day. They didn't take a refill. Some given beautiful description of the fact that they assumed that they took the one bottle of medicine and they were cured from the condition. So they never got refills. And that's right. probably our fault. You know, I think we need to take time to explain what these medications are doing and uh, how long they need to be taken. Yes, exactly. I think another way we can assessment adherence is asking some open-ended questions. So instead of asking, are you taking your medications, maybe ask, how many doses do you miss per week or per month? Often that can be an opportunity for the patient to provide a, a somewhat honest answer. Let's now talk to the different causes of medication non-adherence. You, you've mentioned some already, and let's tackle them one at a time, and then we'll talk about how we can maybe overcome that problem or help the patient overcome that problem. And let's start with cost, because some of our medications have gone up dramatically in cost, even common things. Last year, I was working in a COVID clinic, and I had a patient who had no history of asthma, but was having a fair amount of wheezing, and I prescribed an albuterol inhaler. When I checked back with him a week later, he had never filled the prescription, and I questioned it. And he told me it's because it was $120. And I just was shocked. I had no idea a medication that's been around for so long could be that expensive. So cost has to be one factor in non-adherence. For sure. Cost is a really big factor oftentimes. It is important to ask patients if you suspect non-adherence, 
ask what are the reasons that you're not taking your medication? Is it cost? Is it something else? Patients may opt, as in your case, not to fill the albuterol at all, or they might do something like dose spacing, like for example, um, apixaban or Eliquis is for a lot of patients, a very expensive oral anticoagulant. And I recently had someone share with me, uh, it's a twice daily medication. They were just taking it once a day so that they could make their copay last longer. Mm -hmm. And medications like that, you may not get the therapeutic benefit if you're not taking it at the dose that's recommended. Right. So what are some tips that we can use to help patients overcome some of the high costs of these medications? We could probably spend a whole podcast on this alone. um, (laughs) Right. What are some some quick tips that you can give us on reducing the cost of these medications? Things that exist might be using goodrx.com as a way for patients to look for some cheaper coupons, if you will, to get their medications cheaper. If you're prescribing a medication that is known to be expensive, recommend that they contact their insurance company and say, okay, here are all of the four DOEX. Reach out to your insurance provider and ask which one would be cheaper and what's your out-of-pocket cost going to be for that one. I think sometimes maybe having that information up front rather than getting to a pharmacy, hearing they have a copay, declining to fill it, If we know that it's going to be an issue up front, we as healthcare providers can maybe offer alternative solutions rather than the patient going to the pharmacy and just deciding not to take it and not circling back with us. If there are savings cards available, definitely seek those out. A lot of times those are available for commercial or private paying insurances and aren't available for patients on Medicare or government subsidized insurance to use, but that can also be a really helpful tool for patients who do qualify. What's a pharmacist's opinion on breaking tablets in half when the dose of like a 10 milligram pill is the same as a 20 milligram pill. What's your opinion on that? Is that safe? I think for products that are considered safe to cut in half. So these are often medications that are not extended release or have a a delayed release mechanism to them, then cutting them in half is generally okay. The safest way to do this is if the tablet is scored because that provides the patient a safe guidance on how to do that. Some tablets are in shapes that can't quite as easily be cut in half, but I think most of the time, if you're dealing with an immediate release tablet, cutting in half is a reasonable strategy. I had a patient who was cutting his pills in fourths, and that made me very nervous. And uh, I discouraged him from doing that, but I I often do um, have them split it in half. With a pill splitter, it's it's possible that they can do a pretty good job with that. Exactly. Okay, so cost is one reason. What's another for medication non-adherence? Something I see is competing priorities. This would just make focusing on health difficult in general. So for example, someone has personal responsibilities like caring for a, a busy family, or they have work responsibilities that make it difficult to take their medications on time or really be able to prioritize their health. Other causes of medication non-adherence, as we've kind of alluded to, would be lack of perceived benefit or low health literacy, meaning patients don't understand why the medication could be helpful to them. You know, surprisingly, Um, that's a big one. Um, Yeah. 
I was amazed at how many patients stopped their medication because they felt they weren't getting any better. You know, medications, especially for like osteoporosis and bisphosphonates, they stopped them after the first bottle. And I asked why, and they says, well, my back pain never got any better. You know, they were equating their back pain to their osteoporosis, which may have been related, but certainly the treatment is not going to solve their pain. So I think the most we can hope for is some of these medications don't make them worse. But I think we need to explain that this is not going to make you feel better, but it's to prevent heart attack, prevent stroke, prevent fractures. And I think we need to spend the extra time discussing this with our patients. Right. Another thing I see sometimes impairing adherence is uncontrolled depression. Um, It can be difficult to make headway on chronic diseases if someone is struggling with uncontrolled depression and having just low motivation to work on their chronic conditions. So sometimes assessing if that is a potential thing at play as to why they're non-adherent and working on that would allow downstream to make progress on chronic health conditions. And that's really important in the elderly population because their symptoms can be so vague. They often present with just fatigue, you know, trouble sleeping, lack of appetite, but not the feeling of sadness that younger patients often come in with. So it's something we really need to keep in the back of our mind. Right. What about the patient who just says, I don't like taking medications? That is a really challenging scenario. I think in those cases, you as a healthcare provider really just have to prioritize and use shared decision-making. What are they willing to take? What is it about the medication that they don't like? Is it concerned with side effects? Is it number of times per day? Trying to get at what is the patient's goal and how can you prioritize medications that they may actually take. And and again, using that shared decision-making. It is a difficult scenario though, one I personally struggle with when patients do have an aversion to taking medications, especially prescription medications. Mm -hmm. And especially their first one. I think once they're on one chronic medication, it's easier, but it's always that initial medication that they're going to have to take indefinitely that they struggle with. Right. As a geriatrician, I have been fortunate to be able to work with pharmacists as part of my healthcare team, and I have found them so valuable. When I lecture on this topic, I describe how a pharmacist can be your best friend. So (laughs) how, (laughs) how can pharmacists assist healthcare providers in improving medication adherence? How can we use you better? Yes. Well, I think in any scenario where you sense a patient is struggling with adherence, whatever the underlying reason may be, encourage patients to schedule an appointment with a pharmacist. We will have them often bring in their medication bottles, go over everything one by one, and determine what the underlying barriers are. For some people, it's maybe a unique work schedule, and we can provide recommendations just on adjustment of timing their medicines, or maybe using, for example, a once daily insulin, like Lantus or insulin glargine over NPH insulin. We can also go over some resources available to patients to help them with their adherence. I think the last time I had a patient meet with a pharmacist because they were taking so many different drugs, 
the benefit that I got was so amazing. The pharmacist found that the patient was taking a very large time release capsule that inside contained a lot of little micro capsules and they were <laughs> crushing them and oh. putting them in yogurt so they could swallow it easier. Yeah. And the pharmacist pointed out that they're losing their time release feature by doing that. That's not something I would have thought about or even picked up. Yeah, difficulty swallowing a tablet is yet another thing that may impair adherence if someone is um, having discomfort with taking it or the pill is so large they can't even swallow it. And so, yeah, sometimes it, it can be very interesting what we uncover in those visits. Mm -hmm. Well, Christine, this has been a fascinating discussion. Can you summarize what we've talked about, maybe giving us two or three key points on medication adherence? I would say that providers should consider non-adherence anytime a patient is not meeting anticipated treatment goals, especially when you're using medications that should be effective if taken consistently. When you're prescribing therapy for patients, consider medications with dosing frequencies that are patient-friendly, like one or two times daily, or even less frequently like that if there's a, an even longer acting option available like once weekly. This really helps set the patient up for success because we know that taking something three, four, five times daily is just in a lot of cases very challenging and may not be realistic in the community setting where people are busy. For patients whom you suspect are struggling, offer a pharmacist appointment. Again, we can go over a number of strategies. There are mobile phone apps. Maybe it's like suggesting a pillbox to a patient. Bubble packing services that might be offered by pharmacies in the community. We're happy to discuss these with patients. And remember, a pharmacist can be your best friend. <laughs> Well, we've been discussing medication adherence with Dr. Christina Thurber, a medication therapy pharmacist at the Mayo Clinic. Christina, thank you so much for sharing your expertise in this area. You're so welcome, Dr. Cheka. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next week. <laughs>